Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be hearing from security expert Jason Glassberg. We'll learn about OS X Mavericks with author Joe Kissel. Then we'll hear from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, an action-packed episode of the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Jason Glassberg, and he's co-founder of Kasaba and is a cybersecurity consultant. So we're going to talk about security and about some really strange things that could potentially happen to you, and not just because you hear about them in science fiction TV shows, like hacking your car. Now, welcome to the show, Jason. We're glad to have you on. Wanted to ask you, first of all, about a security and area that we're all concerned about, especially now that hundreds of millions of people have smartphones. And Apple has, of course, the Touch ID fingerprint sensor with the iPhone 5S. Right. So when we look at the iPhone, we look at the Android smartphones like the Galaxy S4, we look at Windows Phone, how do we rate the security of smartphone platforms? Well, it's funny. It's funny you should ask that because it's actually kind of a loaded question. It really depends on what people do with their smartphones. If you stay within a manufacturer's environment and their walled garden and their app store, so to speak, you'll be fine. Be very secure. All Android, Windows, Apple all have a very fairly rigorous uh, process with which they go through to, to check the apps to make sure that they're secure, to make sure that they don't leak information, and you'll be fine. The problem uh, comes into play when people start to either jailbreak in the case of Apple or root their phones in the case of Android. Once you do that, and once you start using applications outside these kind of protected wall gardens, basically anything goes. You, you, you have no real way of verifying what's being loaded on your phone, and you really don't have much in the way of control over who could potentially get access to information stored on the phone. Now, one of the perceived advantages of Android is that it's easy to do that. But what you're saying, of course, is you don't want to do that. You really... You you do and you don't. Uh, What I would say is an educated person who understands computers, who understands what they're doing and who understands the ramifications, can find a lot of enjoyment or useful functionality in these devices once they've opened them up to allow them to do different things. The problem, of course, is that any, you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry thinks, oh, I'm going to root my phone or that's a neat thing to do because I want to run this and not realize the trouble they could be getting themselves into. So there's nothing technically wrong with rooting your phone and and controlling your device at that level. The problem is you need to understand the ramifications of what you're doing once you do that. And I think that's where people kind of go astray. You know, it's kind of a situation where you may not want your mom rooting her phone. But you would think probably that 90 or 95% of the people who use smartphones should just stay within the confines of the platform's own stores and don't play with that stuff. You really have to know what you're doing. That's what I would say. Look, I'm a security guy. I've been working with computers my whole life. I I, I don't really do anything with my phone that requires it to be rooted or jailbroken. I basically just want it to be a phone. However, there is an interesting corollary to this story in that while, yes, there is a rigorous testing process that these applications go through, there was an interesting story 
Over the summer, some graduate students with the University of Georgia made an interesting application that they released to the Apple, the Apple Store or the App Store for Apple to review. And what was interesting about this application is when you first ran it, it didn't do anything. But two days, I believe it was, after it was first run, it would then phone home. They were looking to prove that there were some flaws in Apple's testing regimen. And it turned out that Apple had only run this application once and had never even done any kind of review of the code to see what it actually did. And so they were able to sneak this application through the Apple reviewers. Uh, of course, Apple went and updated their process and policy, but it was just interesting to say that you can never be 100% sure. <laughs> you know, you always need to be careful. The thing to understand, too, is that we forget that Apple didn't have an app store until 2008. The original iPhone didn't have provision for third-party apps except for web apps. So this has been a learning curve. You know, if you're reviewing hundreds of thousands of apps, you know, that you get it right 99.9% of the time or even more is almost a miracle. And, and, you know, it's it's a no-win situation for any of these app stores because if you take the time to carefully review each application, the logger jam it causes would cause people to complain. And if you don't give them any kind of review, it causes a, a problem because, you know, you're letting anything on the out in the market. So, you know, there's always this uh, practical level of security, which is something, you know, we talk about when we do this professionally for companies, is that you can never be assured of being 100% secure. What you really want to do is just have a practical level of security that makes sure you've just covered it. You know, you're doing enough so that the, the, the extraneous or, or one-time attack won't get you. Jason, I gather they tell me you're a hacker yourself. You can break <laughs> into things. Okay, so if I wanted to break into the Touch ID sensor on someone's iPhone 5S... How would I do it? That's interesting. I guess there have been a couple of folks who have been experimenting with taking either Xeroxes or very detailed photos or scans of people's fingerprints and then replaying them back and dragging them across the sensor. Doesn't that require kind of a dusting of the fingerprints like they do in police departments? Yeah, exactly. You have to bring out the image. Exactly. Or you get someone to, like, you know, touch a, touch a Xerox machine. But it would definitely be some kind of pre-planned attack. And really what the fingerprint sensor does is just it, it, most people don't even put a pin on their phone, right? Most people don't even protect their phone with any kind of password whatsoever. So, again, it goes back to this level of, of introducing something that raises the bar just slightly, and it's always better than nothing. This is kind of with Apple's philosophy. Some years back they came out with an application called Time Machine, for yes. backups. And yes. one of the things that Apple mentioned at the time was that only 26% of Mac users ever use backups. Of those, only a few percent use backup apps. So here it was, not the most perfect application in the world, but just about anybody could use it. And all you needed to do was to be able to plug in an accessory drive and back up your Mac. Exactly. If this fingerprint or reader causes more people to actually go and put this kind of protection on their phone, you know, all the better. And I've shown it to people, by the way, and they're impressed. I just stick my finger on the thing, and in a second, it opens up, and they look at that, and they're so impressed they want to try it. And, of course, other smartphone makers get the hint, and they'll devise ways of doing it. Exactly. And, you know, I run a laptop that has a fingerprint reader that you can use in lieu of a password. So they've been out there for a while. I think it takes a company like Apple who just they just have that way of incorporating these technologies and making them useful to regular folks.
And I think that there's no question we'll be seeing much more of this fingerprint reading technology on phones going forward. Before we move to our next topic, some quick advice you can give to people who use smartphones. Is that the best way to protect it? Just get the passcode if you don't have the fingerprint sensor? Yeah, you should always password your, your phone. In the event that you lose it, you leave it in a restaurant, you leave it on a, in, a, in the subway or in a, on a taxi, you really don't want someone to be able to just pick it up and look at all your contacts, your emails, and that information. The other thing you should consider doing is encrypting the data on your phone. Uh, there's an option on all platforms that allow you to do that, and basically what that does is it prevents someone who gets access to your phone from being able to copy data off it easily. Now, the thing that people need to realize is that these smartphones or your tablets, they they are in all respects computers. And many of the tricks that people do to hack into regular PCs and laptops, you can also use to hack into your phones. So, you know, general precautions like when you're using wireless you know make sure you're on a wireless that is encrypted and requires you to use a password so you're not sending over information in the clear well that's Um, a question i want to ask you about when we get to our next segment we have jason glassberg co-founder of cassaba he's a real hacker and this is national (laughs) Cybersecurity awareness month which is why we're taking advantage of his expertise more to come on the tech night out live Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. 
nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Jason Glassberg joining us. It's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so we're trying to tell you about the things you should know. And the thing you were mentioning before we did our break is the fact that the laws that apply to personal computers apply to, obviously, smartphones. Of course, with iOS, it's just a rebadged version of OS X, so a lot of the same things are going on. Apple shields it, hides it very well, but it's, at the core, very much the same thing. Right. Even more so if you take it up a layer from the operating system. You know, many of the attacks recently have to do more with phishing attacks and confusing people onto the legitimate uh, websites that they're going to. And it, that, that's really platform independent. I could, do, I could fall for these, these ploys on my computer. I can fall for them on my phone. It, it doesn't really matter. And that's... You know, the thing that people need to realize is only because you're using a, a, a smartphone doesn't really offer you any level of protection than anything else when you're, when you're out on the a wild, wild west of the web. And sometimes these websites almost encourage confusion, like the new healthcare.gov for the Affordable Care Act, which some people call Obamacare. Whether you approve it or disapprove, forget about the politics, that's a badly designed site that has to interact with lots of other badly designed sites 
and I have my concerns about it. What about you? Oh. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the, the talk is, is that it's going to be a, a fishing and hacking paradise, especially since you're talking about a potential user base of kind of low techno information users. And so, you know, many of the people who are expected to go onto this website are not necessarily folks who spend a lot of time browsing the web and keep up to date with phishing attacks and security problems and may very easily fall victim to some of the, you know, attacks that you and I and many of your listeners might, might seem ridiculous in terms of, of phishing and, and false websites. But there's a very real danger that this is, this is a potential. Well, what you could possibly do is just pick up the phone, call their number, and ask to speak to a navigator and let yep. them sign you up and forget about the site, especially if you're dealing with the federal government site, which has to support 36 states. It's got to be a mess. And again, it's not whether the law is good or bad or the services are good or bad. It's just a government website. You can't expect miracles. It's got to be a mess. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and just from an architectural point of view, I mean, even above and beyond the security implications, just being able to tie back into those myriad of, of back-end ancient government systems has got to be just a nightmare. Speaking of nightmares, there is a topic that your PR person raised with us called hacking medical devices. And let me paint a picture about that. Now, a lot of you are familiar with the TV show Homeland with Claire Danes and Damian Lewis, a fabulous show. And there's a scene in there, as I recall, where they're hacking a medical device used by the vice president in order to kill him. Now, in the real world, if you wanted to commit some skullduggery, and people have pacemakers and insulin pumps and all this other stuff. Is this easy to do? Well, I wouldn't call it easy to do. And a lot of the attacks that have been, you know, formulized or, or theorized, have, you know, existed more in the realm of, of interesting talking points. But essentially, they boil down to this. You've got these devices, as you mentioned, pump, insulin pumps and, and pacemakers and stuff. And they're implanted um, in, in the body. There needs to be a way for these devices to communicate their statuses and your, you know, your, your general health back to some other monitoring equipment. And the way this is done is wirelessly. And so really, you know, you've got a situation where you've got a device talking to some piece of monitoring equipment. It's sending information back and forth via a wireless signal. If you can interject yourself doing what we would call a man-in-the-middle attack, you could potentially read that data as it comes off the device and change it and alter it before it gets over to the monitoring device or vice versa if there's some control that the monitoring device would be sending to the, the pacemaker or insulin pump. You could theoretically go in and change those controls and then forward it on. So that, that really, in, in a nutshell, is, the, is the, the concept behind the attack. Now... Is this something a police department's crime lab could figure out? I mean, wouldn't they, in a situation like this where someone is seriously ill or dies, just assume it was either a malfunctioning device or someone died of natural causes? Yeah, you know, it's potential, potentially a problem. I mean, what you would really need to incorporate is some kind of logging mechanism on both the monitoring equipment as well as the implanted device to make sure that, you know, at, at time code X, this control was sent over and it was received, and then they could see if there was some kind of disparity. You know, what the, what the level of logging 
on these things is is anyone's guess because again these are proprietary systems so the makers of these devices don't necessarily want you to know what they're doing or how they're transmitting their signals really how a lot of it works which you know falls back to this kind of false promise of security by obscurity which we had talked about before all right so if i had to get one of these implants it's the luck <laughs> of the draw. The what do I do? Is there a way to protect myself? We can't buy well, virus would, software would, for my pacemaker if I needed one. I, I don't know if there have ever been any confirmed cases of this actually happening. So it's really not to, to scare people. Clearly, you need to worry. You can be concerned about your health first and foremost. But I personally would go and do a bit of research on some of the technical aspects of these devices. How are they being monitored? If it's wireless, is, is it, a, is it, a, is it a, an encrypted channel? Is it something someone could easily listen to? Is it something someone could easily change? Um, you know, and how are these devices themselves being monitored and what kind of testing have they, have they gone through? Have you ever tried to break into one? Uh, I have not, personally. This is kind of a nascent uh, area of security. Uh, there was supposed to be, I, I, I don't know if you're aware of, of a, a pretty interesting talk um, at the big security conference in Black Hat this year, but of course that didn't happen due to the untimely, the untimely demise of one of the, um, the um, presenters. Mm. All interesting, right. though. <laughs> now, hacking a car. Let's talk yes. about that for a moment, because your auto, any modern auto, could even... The cheap car that's seventeen or sixteen thousand dollars. Any one of these cars has loads of onboard computing systems. Yeah. They have Bluetooth, voice recognition, so you can mate your iPhone or your Android phone with them. They've got all this stuff going on in there. And they've got the keyless entry. Even the cheap cars, you stick the key in your pocket. And as soon as you're near the car, you push a button, the door opens, you push another button, you start the car. And the big question, which we'll get into in our next segment, is, is it easy to take over someone's car? And as they do in the sci-fi movies, can you take over the brakes, the steering wheel systems, all this other stuff? But just the simple thing of breaking into a car without having to break glass, without having to use all sorts of instruments to defeat the key system... Could it be done by a computer hacker? We're going to ask Jason Glassberg of that and more to come on the Tech Night How Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. 
That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. stop these annoying collection calls. Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. UtopiaSilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia UtopiaSilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details on your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit UtopiaSilver.com, UtopiaSilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Jason Glassberg of Cassaba, cybersecurity consultant, joining us in observance of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So the topic I raised was your car with all the onboard computing systems there, even Siri. They got Siri, which, of course, we now know is Susan Bennett from Georgia. Yeah. We even have Siri on some GM cars next year. We have the keyless entry. I've had one or two cars with keyless entry, and I never really thought about it, but now I'm thinking about it. Is it easy for someone to get there and break into that car 
by defeating the electronics? Well, it's interesting. I would say the answer is yes, yes and no to a limited degree. Again, that you're talking about a couple of different systems or subsystems when, when we talk about the electronics in a car. You know, you have the automatic, uh, you know, remote, remote keyless entry and unlock, and that really is just a scrambled radio signal. And just like there have been attacks against garage door openers where you can sit there and you can build a device that scans through the various codes that are possible, yeah, it's conceivable that you could find the unlock code and unlock the car. So that attack is, is known. It exists. There was a, a, an interesting experiment done about a year ago where someone built a very high-powered retransmitter and was able to basically, you would, the, the thought being is you'd pickpocket someone's keys and then you'd hook it up to this retransmitter and this thing would be able to send the signal out into the parking lot and unlock the car. Now, how you found the car was, was you know, open to another question. So, you know, that, that line of attack has existed for a while. They make the codes extremely complicated. I don't know how many millions of combinations there are, um, but it's not a trivial task, and it's something that could potentially take hours to cycle through the codes. So if it's someone's Ferrari, it's worth the effort. If it's somebody's Honda or Hyundai, maybe not so much. Right. And, and again, you know, it, it just like, you know, with many of the, of the hacking and computer crimes, a lot of the car theft crimes are really crimes of opportunity. The thought being, if someone is specifically targeting your make and model of car because they want it, the odds are they're going to get it. And it's really the same thing with computer security. For the most part, you know, people send out these, these mass emails looking for people to log into these fake sites. They're not particularly targeting anyone. They're just looking for people who are foolish enough to go in and log into these fake sites. So, you know, car security is, is, is in many ways the same thing. Now, it's interesting, though, because there has been just, a, just an explosion of internal electronics with cars. In fact, Nowadays, most of the cars have an internal computer system known as the CAN bus. And the CAN bus is basically the way the speedometer talks to the speed control, which, you know, talks to the brakes and talks to the radio. And all sorts of funny things happen in cars, right? So, you know, when you step on the brakes, your, your speed control turns off. Or your radio may have an automatic volume control that when you reach a certain speed, it turns up the volume so you can have the same listening level. And it also controls basically the fuel injection and, and everything in the car that's electronic speaks on this computer system called CAN bus. Now, when CAN bus was designed, nobody really had an inkling of encrypting the communications. So it's basically an unencrypted data stream that exists within your car. And it is absolutely and entirely possible to sit in a person's car and again, doing one of these man-in-the-middle attacks, intercept these messages as they're transmitted to the car. So things like saying, hey, I want to turn the radio off, you, you can do that. Or I want to say the speed is 50 miles an hour, you can do that. Because each one of these controls has a numeric device identifier and a, you know, a control command. And so if you say to device 050, I issue a 126, that might mean roll down the windows or something like that. Okay, uh, so we get to the really evil trick the, here the that we see problem, on the TV though. shows. The really evil stuff where 
you know, in the past, if you want to cause a car to crash, maybe you empty the brake fluid so the brakes right. don't work. So now, can you do that with electronics? Can you control the brakes, the steering wheel? Certainly all these new cars have ways of sending proximity to another car. So the brakes are activated. If you go out of your lane, you have the lane change warning. You have automatic parking systems. And it's not the expensive cars anymore. We're talking about even this new Mercedes-Benz CLA, which is about $30,000, the same as a high-end Honda Accord, it's got a lot of those circuits in there. So can you hack that? Well, yeah, you can. The problem is, though, you need to be in the car to do it. And therein kind of lies the saving grace. There has been no attack or any kind of successful attack that has been done remotely, meaning I'm sitting here on the curb, I see your car, I'm going to attack it. The computer hacker on the TV show, Person of Interest, which has the all-knowing computer, the Jonathan Nolan TV series with Michael Emerson and Jim Caviezel. Right. Right. They know everything because they're on TV. But there's no way way to do it remotely. This CAN bus has been successfully attacked, um, but it requires someone actually sitting there connected to the car and connected into, like, the ODBD reader. In order, to, in order to do this kind of man-in-the-middle attack. See, the thing is, there's no real external interface into the car. They're kind of like islands unto themselves. So until such time as we've got some kind of wireless commun- inter- inter-process communication between cars on the road that's you know, two-way, I believe the, the cars themselves are relatively safe. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have some nefarious valet parker inserts potentially some kind of USB key-esque device into the ODB2 sensor and do something. But again, it, it, it requires someone to physically be able to access the car itself. Well, then I'm not so worried. No, that, no. That people are going to chase my Honda and make me break when I want to speed up. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, there have been two, two interesting side stories, though, is one, there, I, I, I should take that back. There is one device in modern cars that has an external communication um, channel, and the, those are the air pressure sensors in your tires. I don't know, modern cars, by law, have to have these air pressure sensors that warn you when your tire pressure is low. Right. These are in all cars, and they do, in fact, speak to this, uh, CAN bus controller wirelessly, and because there's no way you can run a wire through these spinning wheels. And people have successfully been able to intercept that traffic, although there's nothing they can do with it. So, you know, it's not really an attack vector per se. However, it is an interesting problem because there is one area where you've got this wireless communication. It's also a very, very low signal. So in order to pick it up, you really need to be right next to the car. So you can envision some kind of car chase. You get right up next to the car. Then you are able to control the wireless air, pre- you know, air pressure sensor. But there's no way to jump from that air pressure sensor into the other areas of control of the car yet. Let me go back to smartphones. I want to ask you a quick question here before we go on. And that is, you see on TV, once again, this trick where they get into proximity of someone's smartphone and they clone it. Is that possible? Well, it, it actually is. Now, it requires quite a bit of, of, of technology. There are these things called firm, firmto cells, which... Um, 
the uh, cell phone provider companies give to clients who are in very fringe areas. And essentially what they are are retransmission um, retransmission devices, if that makes sense. So you, if you're in a, in a very fringe area for cell phone signal, they, you, they give you this box. Right, this I know that AT&T has those. I know yeah, that. That box connects to your LAN, and then it, your cell phone signal is then transmitted via voice over IP back into the greater cell phone signal and then retransmitted back out to whoever it is you're calling. And interestingly, the, those devices are powered by Linux. And it turns out that they are, in fact, vulnerable to hacking. I'll ask you that and one more question. In fact, a few more questions. If you'll stay with us with one more segment, is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. Jason Glassberg joining Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com we travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets, but fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Hello, I'm Steve Shank. Everybody's heard the statement that what you don't know can't hurt you. But truth is, what you don't know is the only thing that can hurt you. For example, you might not know how our country's wars can hurt you. Japanese radiation and the Gulf oil spill are destroying your seafood. People don't understand how America's 50-year worst drought is hurting them. Our natural disaster experience has proven relief organizations can't take care of the victims. And there's the huge question of how the government will feed all the people that it's promised to feed with 
no food. What if we made the whole country into one big neighborhood where we take care of each other by taking care of ourselves? Here's the plan. For every new EPAC 60-day food supply that you order, eFoods Direct will send a 7-day food supply to each of two families in your name, free of charge. Go to eFoodsDirect.com or call 800-876-0871. 800-876-0871. e You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, this is Gene Steinberg. We're talking to Jason Glassberg of Kasaba, a cybersecurity consultant and hacker and all that stuff. We're talking about if you could clone... A phone just by getting in proximity to it, like they do on all the TV shows. You were mentioning this add-on that's used to expand the cellular signal in yeah, the your home. Cell. Right. Yeah, and and these are the the these devices that are are provided if you're in a very fringe area. It allows you then to connect into your internet network, sends the signal out over the internet and back into the the cell phone network. And it turns out that there were these devices and that they're powered by a very uh, light version of the Linux operating system and are, in fact, vulnerable to attack. Um, I believe the attack vector was through an HDMI port or some USB port. I don't, know, I don't remember which one it was through these towers. It was able to give you access to the base operating system, and from there you were able to basically figure out the CDMA ID of the phone that was connecting and then be able to retransmit that out. And by having being able to capture the traffic, you were able to then clone the phone. And it, it, it is a legitimate and, and has been successfully done. Network. It doesn't happen in New York City when they just walk by your phone? No. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not privy, I should say, to any technology that would allow that to happen. Not to say it doesn't exist. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right. I, I don't know of, of, of a practical attack vector in that in that in that way. But it, it it doesn't really exist in the realm of science fiction because it's actually successfully been done. All right, let's talk about webcam security. Obviously, lots of personal computers have webcams. My iMac has a webcam. My MacBook Pro has a webcam. My TV does not, mm. which is good. Now, obviously, once again, the same TV shows, you see them cloning the phones so easily. 
and taking over cars so easily and getting into your house so easily, they take over your TV or your computer's webcam and they know what you're doing. And I guess they can use the microphones to hear what you're doing. Can that be done, Jason? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a very legitimate attack vector. Um, essentially, what happens is someone will load some malicious software or some malware, which will either open up a back channel, allow them to control your computer with administrative access. And, of course, once you have administrative access to a device, you can do anything. And so being able to load other programs that, say, activate the camera um, are, are entirely possible. So therefore, so, let's just not get a TV with a webcam. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, again, it, 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 you know, the, there's always a trade-off between convenience and security. You know, and it just, it's a matter of where you want to draw the line as a, as a consumer. It can be very nice to have a webcam on your TV. You can have a family Skype sessions. You know, if you have these new smart TVs that, that incorporate, the, you know, kind of computer technology in the background, um, but again, you need to remember that these are at their hearts computers and the same safeguards that you would run when you operate your PC or your laptop, you need to do when you operate any of these quote unquote smart devices and whether that's a smart TV. I've even seen smart refrigerators. They've got screens that give you the weather, internet updated weather on the, on the side of your refrigerator. I really want to know that. <laughs> well, it's not bad. You know, it's nice. But again, you know, you, you, need to, you need to be cognizant of the fact that there are risks to using these things and risks to running applications. There are, you know, unintended consequences. The law of un unintended consequences holds very true when it comes to using these devices. We only have about five minutes left to spend with you, Jason, so let me ask you one more issue here. We have, of course, these burglar alarm systems that are wireless. We have all these electronics that we use, say, to turn up the lights and all that. Can we hijack a house electronically? Can hackers do that to get inside or just cause mischief? Well, yes. Yes, you can. I believe there is a, uh, I, I don't remember the actual name of the company. There is a, well, there's a, a, a number of them actually that have these kind of smartphone or tablet control devices, which basically hook these things up to your internal home network and each one of these devices would have an IP address, and you can control them, turn the lights up, turn the lights down, turn the volume on, turn the volume off. Again, the, the problem is not necessarily with the, the technologies themselves. It's more of a problem of the, the users and being careful what else they're running. So, you know, if I'm able to take over your smartphone with some malicious piece of, of software, I then have access to everything that smartphone can run. And if one of these applications happens to be your home control software, I, I could be able to run that. The other thing is a lot of these devices have uh, web interfaces, which means you can log into them directly. I know there are a lot of remote cameras that people use for baby watching. And the way you would set that up, it's wireless, and it's got a little web interface, and you go and you log in, and then you can control the camera. A lot of times people will use the same passwords for everything from their bank account to their home network router to their home camera, so to speak. So if I'm able to somehow get your credentials and are able to figure out where you are or where you live, it may very well be that I'm able to then log into your home network through your router and then onto any of these devices. I believe there was a, a case down in uh, Texas 
where someone was harassing some family because they took over their baby monitor camera. And that was exactly the, the, the attack vector. They were able to get their password. They were able to log into their home Internet router. And from their router, because of password reuse, they were able to control the, the baby monitor camera. You don't want to use the password password. Now, in OS ten Mavericks from Apple, which is going to be out probably in a week from now, they have a iCloud password feature there where basically it will give you a strong password stored in the cloud, and we hope the cloud is secure, so you have access to that password on your Mac and then your iPhone and iPad. But once again, of course, you assume that the cloud-based password protection is secure. Right. You know, I think using, using strong passwords and really using a number of different passwords is, is really kind of some of the strongest advice we can give as security professionals. You know, you don't want an easily guessed password, but you also don't want to use the same password for everything you access with a password. You have to have some kind of variation, and the more variations you make, the easier it is. But then how do you remember all those passwords? And so I think one of Apple's solutions here was to allow the OS to recognize your password. And then are, of course, these password protection apps where you have right. one entrance. Of course, that has to be a secure entrance, but then it will store all the passwords for all your various services. But if you exactly. unlock the front door, you get it anyway. That's just it. And so, again, it's a matter of this convenience versus security, and that's really kind of up to each person to make. I use one of the, I need to log into uh, hundreds of different systems. There's no way I could keep all of those passwords in my, in my head. I, I don't want to write them down. That's, that's wrong. Well, we so assume you're an expert, so you remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember some of these crazy passwords I have to use. But uh, using one of these password wallet or password safe applications, it, it's what I do. You know? And so that, in my mind, is a much safer alternative than using the same password everywhere I go. Because what you always want to have is, is what we call a defense in depth. You always want to assume someone has breached the first layer um, but you don't want to give them easy access once they've breached that first layer. You want to make it you know, progressively difficult. And by using different passwords for different devices, you've essentially established this kind of de- defense in depth. It's like the typical apartment in New York City where you have not just one lock or two locks, but three or four door locks. Exactly, with different keys. You, you wouldn't want to use the four different locks with the same key because that's not really buying you much. I know they sell that, though. They sell... Something with a deadbolt lock and a regular lock, and it's got the same key. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, again, it goes back to this convenience versus security issue. It's very convenient, but not quite as secure. Mm. Anyone ever break into something you had or owned? Uh, well, you know, interestingly, I was the victim of identity theft, and someone had gotten my name and social security number and had tried to um, tried to take out a loan. And interestingly, of course, you know, the various things going on, the, the, the bank called me up and, and we were able to get it squared away. And I spent, I just couldn't figure out where the breach was, you know, what had happened. Was it because I had logged in here or, you know, what service had, had, had given up my credentials? I'll tell you what, we're just about out of time. Give me the fast answer. How did it it, happen? It turns out I had bought a car the week before. Someone had done a dumpster dive and got my credentials the old-fashioned way. Oh, boy. All of this high-tech business, what it taught me is that the easiest way to do it is usually the way it's going to happen. Jason, you have a website people can check out. 
Yeah, we do. It's uh, cassaba.com, www.cassaba.com. Jason Glassberg, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you so much. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, this part of the Tech Night Owl Live is going to focus on OS X Mavericks. And very likely, it'll be available for download about the time you hear the show or maybe a few days thereafter. So... In honor of that, we have Joe Kissel, who has written many thousands of books. I always say that about him for Take Control Books, Adam and Tanya Inc.'s company. He has not written as many books as the late Walter B. Gibson wrote of shadow novels back in the 30s and 40s. Of course, you're too young to remember The Shadow, aren't you, Joe? I'm afraid I am. Okay, you remember there was a rather bad motion picture in the 90s with Alec Baldwin as The Shadow. You know, I am afraid I didn't even see that. I was, I was old enough, but I didn't see it. <laughs> In any case, now we're talking here about a book that the first version of it was written while Mavericks was in its final stages of development. But we assume yeah. it's pretty close to the real thing. Yeah, so we're, we're doing something similar to what we've done in the past. As soon as we found out that the, uh, the gold master of Mavericks was available to developers, we shipped version 1.0 of this book because 
you know, I've been working with the developer previews for a long time. Uh, I wanted uh, people to be able to get ready. You know, when 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 Mavericks comes out, like you know, it's take could take hours to download it. If you just download it and don't do any other preparation first, you you could find yourself in a pickle. So I I wanted to get all the preparatory stuff out of the way. So that's version 1.0 is everything you do up until that point that it's released, and then when Mavericks is released. We will ship version 1.1 of the book. It'll be a free update, and that will tell you everything you do from that point on, which includes a lot of things that we couldn't cover in 1.0 because of our uh, NDA. Right. You have to focus on mostly the stuff that's already out there at Apple's site. Right. There, there is certain information about, uh, about Mavericks that has become public through other means, but uh, we, we prefer to adhere to the letter of the law. And, and anyway, I mean, there's nothing you can do with the additional information about Mavericks until you actually get it. So the version 1.1 of the book is much longer. It's uh, about 100 pages longer. And it tells you not only how to get through the installation itself, but uh, a lot of the things that are going to happen right after Maverick starts running that you may go, hmm, didn't know about that. Now what do I do? Well, just getting started here. I know that Apple makes operating system installation processes so simple on the surface that you don't think there are things you ought to do to prepare for it because sometimes things go wrong. Maybe, I don't know, a few percent of the time. But that could be you being the few percent. Yes. Well, you know, I've done dozens of installations of Mavericks, and uh, a couple of those times I was that few percent. And I'm like, oh, man. Wow, that's really awful. I am so glad I have a backup. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you're right. Apple's installers have gotten better and better, and the Mavericks installer is better than the Mountain Lion was, and, and so on. I like that it's sort of less intrusive and chatty and uh, doesn't make you answer as many questions and doesn't, you know, do a happy dance video at the end. So that's all nice, but... Uh, I like the happy dance video. You know, (laughs) I miss the happy dance video. I want my happy dance video back. I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, as as an author who has to install these operating systems over and over and over again, uh, having to sit through a, well, congratulations, you're now running the new version of OS X video over and over and over again was kind of tedious. They don't don't have those anymore, and that's, that's nice for me. But anyway... That's an important thing here, because we know that when we've installed it, we've installed it, we don't need to be reminded of what we just did. Well, interestingly enough, there have been times when, depending on, you know, exactly how you do the installation and where you're coming from, uh, I have walked away from my computer, I've come back, I'm looking at the same desktop I was looking at before, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, so did it finish? Am I running Mavericks now, or, or am I back to Mountain Lion? And uh, there, there is there is a certain amount of value in saying, yeah, you're good. If you're not, if you don't happen to be looking at the computer, but uh, just doesn't have to be protracted. Well, in the case of Mavericks, we don't want you to break the Apple non-disclosure agreement. Although we're probably doing this within just a few days of when you can basically spill the beans. Right. But if I sit there and I install Mavericks, and I have to admit that I've probably done that many times as you have, what will I see? Will I see anything to tell me that something new is there, other than maybe a different desktop background? Yeah, well, you know, you might see a different desktop background. You'll see some subtle clues, like, uh, you know, new icons in your toolbar, you know, an icon for tags and um, a few a few 
you know, different icons in your dock, for example, like the iBooks icon and the Maps icon, those things are new. Um, obviously, you can go to the Apple menu and choose about this Mac and see, you know, you're running 10.9. But uh, most of the things that are new in Mavericks, and there are lots and lots of things that are new in Mavericks, are uh, are, are not quite so obvious. They're, they're subtle. They reveal themselves uh, over time. Or you have to dig into apps. Like you have to dig into the new Safari, the new uh, maps or iBooks or mail apps or whatever it may be to, to find the new stuff. Or that's it's tabs in the Finder which are there, but they're kind of hidden until you start using them. Uh, or preference panes that are renamed or rearranged or things like that. So there's, there's a lot of good new stuff there, but it's just not sort of in your face. It's not like, oh, hey, OS X has turned into iOS and it looks totally different. It's not like that. I think that's one concern people have voiced here. And that is, will Apple one day, maybe with 10.10 or whatever, make OS X look like the mirror image of iOS? It's not like Microsoft did with Windows 8, where they just basically upset everybody on the planet, pretty much, except maybe <laughs> Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer by what they did. Apple's not going to do it that drastically, although some people think iOS 7 is drastic. Yeah, uh, iOS 7 is, you know, was a big change. I, you know, I nobody know, outside of Apple knows what they're planning on doing. Um, there are some things in Mavericks that are flatter, like, you know, the calendar app and the, the contacts app. Um, look more iOS 7-like than they did before, things like that. But but you have to remember, whatever else Apple may decide to do aesthetically, uh, the, the Macintosh is still operated with a, a keyboard and a pointing device. It's not you know, it's not designed for a touchscreen. It's not, it's not optimal for that. So there are certain kinds of changes that just couldn't ever be made, um, you know, uh, unless Apple decides, no, actually, we're going to put touchscreens on all Macs, which would, you know, introduce its own set of problems. I, I, I think it won't happen. I, I think there could be, you know, they could make them more similar to each other, but I don't think we're going to ever see quite the same thing on the Mac that we do on iOS devices. There are rumors that Apple is going to produce a larger iPad, and then there are rumors that this will be some sort of convertible Mac. But that would simply make Apple doing the same thing that Microsoft is doing. And what has that happened? What has that resulted in? A complete failure. So why should Apple fail? I can't see that there wouldn't be a larger iPad, but it would be an iPad. Yeah, I mean, you know... I. Never say never. Apple, especially you know, in the Steve Jobs era, was was famous for saying, "Oh no, we'll never do that." And then you know, a few months later, they do exactly that. Only they've come up with some totally unique way to do whatever that thing is that turns out to work. So uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I'm standing in front of a 27-inch iMac right now. And I can't imagine how tired my arms would get all day if I had to touch the screen to do everything. That's just not that. That's not a sensible way to work for a desktop computer, and it's only slightly less, you know, it, less awkward for a laptop. So um, uh, I, I think that Apple is correct to keep sort of touch things and and keyboardy things separate. But you never know what they might come up with. I would think one of Microsoft's focus groups would come out with the revelation that, gee, my arms hurt when I touch that touch screen. I don't want it that way. I don't want a computer that works that way. I mean, a small thing in my lap or a small thing I'm holding in my hands 
an iPad or whatever brand of tablet you have. That's one thing. But having traditional Windows notebooks and desktops with touch screens, haven't they realized that doesn't make it? Especially because of the fact that even if you suffered through that and you didn't care, it still costs a lot more. We have Joe Kissel. His books never cost a lot, by the way. And he's got one, Take Control of Upgrading to Mavericks. We'll talk more about it on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a print press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. 
big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you, has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Joe Kissel joins us. We're going to talk about Mavericks, his new book, available, obviously, depending on whether Mavericks is released by the time you hear this, it'll be take control of upgrading to Mavericks version 1.0. There will be a 1.1 free update after it's released with a lot more information. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a few questions about Mavericks that don't violate the NDA, and let's go into things we should consider anytime we upgrade a Mac OS. Sure. Okay. So, as you say, visually, it doesn't look a whole lot different, but where do you see the most significant changes? The Finder tabs? Well, Finder tabs are significant. I mean, you know, for me, what I'm actually much more excited about is all the stuff that Apple did to improve battery life on laptops and performance. There's really nothing to see there at all. It's just, hey, it's faster and my battery lasts longer all of a sudden. So that's really cool. Um, and that, that to me is is a much more compelling reason to upgrade than 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 just the visual stuff. Safari is a bit different. It's gotten a bit bit more of a makeover uh, visually. Um, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are going to be uh, a little bit confused by some of the system preference panes. Uh, they they won't be able to find things uh, initially, or they might be a little disturbed that uh, that they're not there. But honestly, like Finder tabs. That that's nice, and and I, I appreciate them. But I've I've lived for so long without Finder tabs that when I create a new tab in Mavericks, I, I almost think, ah, oh, you know, I, I was I was expecting a window. I wanted a window. I should go back and create a window. I, I've I've gotten you know over many years so. Uh, you know, I, my habits have, have have grown so strong to work with Windows that I'm kind of like, you know, it's it's okay. I had I had a system, um, so I'm I'm glad that they're there. But uh, it's almost like, well, it, it was too late. I've already formed my habits. Actually, I tried to get used to it. And I liked it because mm-hmm. the way I do my workload in terms of post production on the radio shows, we have a source folder which is the recordings we make with Audio Hijack Pro of our mm-hmm. interviews. We have a separate folder for each of the two shows, the Tech Night Out Live and the Powercast. So mm-hmm. now it's in one Finder window with a separate tab for each. Mm-hmm. 
But what what I find that I do a lot is that I I very often have to compare side by side what's in two or three windows. So when I open up what I'm what I'm expecting is going to be a new window and it's a new tab, I'm like, okay, well that that's not going to work. I got to you know drag drag the tab off to make a new window so that I can see you know see the contents of both both places at once and compare them. But but that's just me. The point is they're giving people more of a set of options with which to do your own personal workflow. Well, and also, you know, they make it more browser-like. Yes, they make We're it more browser We're used to browser tabs, so if the Finder works just like a web browser, the more it works like a web browser, the less learning curve there is because you can run from one to the other and not feel suddenly that you have to learn a new thing, a new product. Yes, that, that's very true. And I will say this in slight contradiction to what we said a few minutes ago. You're entitled. We all do that. One of the things about Finder tabs is that they get they get, make more efficient use of screen real estate. So when you have like an 11-inch MacBook Air, 13-inch, uh, you just don't have that many pixels. You don't have that much space for stuff. It's it's an aid to you. It, it, it reduces the need to have so many o- windows open at once. Now... That would be, you know, there would be an argument to say, well, Apple should really kind of do something similar on iPads. I mean, some some iPads have, you know, almost as much screen real estate as as a small MacBook Air. Wouldn't it be nice if if Apple adopted something similar so you could have tabbed apps on an iPad? So so it, it could be. I mean, I don't know if they're planning on doing anything like that. But it could be that some of the th- changes we see in OS X will even make their way back to iOS uh, rather than the other way around. I think it's significant when it comes to an iPad when we realize that the original Macs and the original Mac portables had screens smaller than what you get oh, yeah, on a 9.7-inch iPad. Small. A bit smaller than the 9.7-inch iPad. So why not be able to run two apps side-by-side? Why not have multiple windows? Why not bring those features back? And nothing prevents Apple from even now when they're doing their iPad media event, and this is being done before then, from Apple announcing a special update to iOS that does that. They could, could probably happen. do it now. I don't think it's a big deal. It could happen. You know, I, I see these these Microsoft Surface commercials where they're making fun of the fact that Surface can can do, you know, run multiple apps at once and iPad can't. You know, honestly, as as an iPad user, that it's true. I mean, that that kind of hurts because I am frequently doing stuff on my iPad where I need to switch back and forth between two or three apps a lot, and especially if you're you know you can't drag and drop information between apps. You it's you can copy and paste, but it's awkward, and you can't see stuff side by side. Uh, it is an impediment to getting certain kinds of work done, and uh, I, I would love to see Apple fix that somehow. Back to Mavericks. Yes. Okay, so you're seeing the under the hood features being most important. And I don't know if I should even ask you, have you noticed that the battery life of your portables is somewhat better since playing with Mavericks, or is that getting too close to the edge in terms of revelation? Uh, actually, I can, I can tell you that I don't have enough experience to be able to say, because all of all of the time I've been working with the uh, the Mavericks uh, installers doing you know literally dozens of test installs. I've had my my portables plugged in because I'm just running them kind of you know 24 seven. So I haven't I haven't been able to give the the new battery features a proper 
uh, extended workout to see how much of an improvement I get in real life. I'm I'm going by I'm going by the promise. So uh, if if it turns out that I don't don't get better battery life after all, I'll be a little bit miffed. Now, one thing you get is the promise of more efficient use of system resources. Right. And I will only tell you this, give you a hint. I use a somewhat incompatible dashboard widget to monitor system load. Okay. And what I see in system load is now lower consistently, especially when I'm doing nothing and come back to work, but still lower than with Mountain Lion. Let's leave it at that. Is that compressed memory or something else? It, it could very well be the compressed memory. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to get used to is to... Uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Google Chrome user. Chrome has been my main browser for a long time. And, and Chrome, of course, still works under Mavericks and all that. But a lot of these you know, performance-enhancing and battery-saving features are, are in Safari itself. They're not, they, they don't automatically propagate to other browsers. So in order to take advantage of them, I've been trying to retrain myself to use Safari more often. And uh, I don't know if I will end up going back to Safari as my main browser, but it's, it's one, of those, one of those challenges. If you want, want the benefits, you have to, have to make some concessions. Or developers, of course, will have to update their apps to support some of these features. Right, right. We have Joe Kissel. The book is called Take Control of Upgrading to Mavericks. And we'll give you some advice in the next couple of segments about how to prepare for an OS upgrade and avoid catastrophes now or later. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. The National Preppers and Survivalist Expo, presented by Triton Shelter Technologies, is the only national event designated for the prepper community. October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Admission is free, and the doors open at 9 a.m. Join us and learn life-saving tips that can help you and your family handle crisis situations. Special guests include Kevin O'Brien from Nat Geo's Doomsday Preppers, David Crawford, author of Lights Out, the director and cast members from the movie Lights Out Saga, and more. 
Special guest speakers include GCN's own Dr. Joel Wallach, along with Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, and Tom Martin, the director of the American Preppers Network, two-time field and stream champion Chad Weatherford, along with many other leading experts from around the country. Join us for the country's largest emergency preparedness event, absolutely free, October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, visit NPSExpo.com. That's NPSExpo.com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (laughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA for herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the winter specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 what are you listening to the tech night i live with gene steinberg what's going to happen next you never know Okay, you can take notes now, but in the end, you want to buy a copy of Take Control of Upgrading to Mavericks, an ebook from Take Control Books, by our guest Joe Kissel, and you'll learn what's going on. Okay, first and foremost, you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that you're going to be downloading a file of several gigabytes in size. It may come down a few minutes or hours, depending on the speed of your internet connection. You'll get it from the App Store. Now, once that installer starts, you're going to go with it. But before you even run the installer, what should you do to make sure this upgrade is as painless as possible? Let's go through some of the basics. If you want details, get the book, of course. Sure. So I already mentioned backups, and I, I can't say that often enough. And, and I want to say, though, you know, you might use Time Machine to do backups, and Time Machine is good for backups. But I also recommend whatever else you use for backups, make sure that you create a bootable duplicate of your entire disk right before you upgrade to Mavericks. You can do that with Carbon Copy Cloner or Super Duper. There are a lot of other apps that do it too. 
uh, Time Machine can't do it, and Crash Plan can't do it. And the reason you want a bootable duplicate is so that not only will it make the upgrade process easier, but if anything should go wrong, uh, a bootable duplicate gives you the fastest way to get back to exactly where you were before. Depending on how you do your time machine backup, for example, you might exclude some files or folders. You might not be able to get back to exactly where your machine was prior to the update. And even if you can, it will take hours and hours and hours and hours. And a bootable duplicate makes it a lot faster. So that's one thing I insist on. And let me just tell you to emphasize what he says. I have Carbon Copy Cloner. Uh-huh. Every evening... It does an automated backup, a clone backup to an external FireWire 800 drive. However, before you would do a system upgrade of this nature, you run the carbon copy cloner or the super duper and do the clone backup before you run your system upgrade. Because if something gets messed up, just restart Mm -hmm. from your backup drive. And then if necessary, just restore your primary drive and start over again or give it up. Right, so uh, exactly. I, I do the same thing. I have Carbon Copy Cloner run on a schedule, but then you know, before a major upgrade, always do an extra one. In addition to the backups, I mean, there are a lot of other things I suggest in the book, but I think the biggest of the, th- of the other things I suggest is don't wait until you have installed Mavericks to update all your third-party software. Take care of that first. So update your apps. You know, the ones you buy in the App Store, those are easy third-party apps that aren't from the App Store. You have to update those separately. Update all of your little, you know, menu bar widgets and preference panes and all those doohickeys. Update them all before you go to Mavericks Um, because if you don't, then when you run the Mavericks installer, uh, some of those things that you haven't updated that the the installer believes will be incompatible will be disabled. And then once you start using things like, you know, you use mail and there are mail plugins, those will be disabled. And you could run into incompatibilities that Apple wasn't aware of. And then you get crashes and you get other kinds of bad behavior. And so I just feel like, why put yourself through that? Update your your third-party software first and then you don't have to suffer through any warnings or error messages or incompatibilities. There are apps, and this is something that you realize if you never went to Lion or Mountain Lion, there are apps that cannot run on Mavericks because of the fact that as of 10.7, Apple gave up Rosetta, which is the right. power PC emulation. Now, I want to ask you just, it's a dumb question, but maybe our listeners want to get my position on it. I'm the person running Snow Leopard right now. And I say, you know what? I've ignored these updates. Let me try Mavericks. Why did Apple give up on Rosetta? Well, it's it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, well, Rosetta was... I, I want to. I'm looking looking for an image like you know a stone around Apple's neck. Um, it, it was requiring Apple to do a lot more work to uh, you know to keep things compatible going on. It, it made Mac OS 10 bigger, harder to test, more complicated, and it prevented Apple from from doing things they wanted, adding capabilities they wanted everybody to have um, because they were weighed down by the need to keep this you know, compatibility thing. Now, Apple, of course, never looks back. They only look to the future and they say, hey, we got we got to do this new thing. And yeah, it's going to leave some people uh, out in the cold, but, you know, people figure it out. And, and it's, you know, it's been a few years. And in the vast majority of cases, 
things have worked themselves out. Either developers have created a new uh, version that doesn't require Rosetta, or some other developer has stepped in with a replacement for whatever the thing was that that doesn't. There are still some apps out there that have never been updated, never will be updated, and that people rely on. But the thing is, you know, with, with those apps, they're never going to be updated. So if there are bugs, if, you know, if anything happens in the future, you're relying on a, an app that's five years old and that's never going to get an update. That's not really a, a safe strategy for the future anyway. So as, as much as I know it can pain someone to give up a beloved and important app that they've relied on for years, you know, sooner or later, you have to move forward. So I, I have qualified sympathy. And it's just one of those things. I, I long ago gave up my uh, Rosetta apps, and I, I'm okay. I lived through it. Okay, so the apps are compatible. You're downloading whatever there is that's an update for the apps you're using. Now, the Mavericks installer will catch stuff that won't run, right? Yeah, it will catch certain stuff. So it's looking for things like kernel extensions and preference pane stuff that, that is going to load automatically when you run, you know, when you when you log in or when you restart your Mac that is known to cause problems, you know, conflicts with with a system that could actually lead to a, a kernel panic or, or some other really bad behavior. So Apple has a, kind of a list of known culprits in the installer. Uh, that's been the case for quite a few versions of Mac OS X now, but Apple doesn't know about every, you know, every single app that's out there. You know, there are things like I, you know, mentioned mail plugins, those are less serious, so it doesn't the, the installer itself doesn't disable them, but then the first time you try to run mail, if you have any incompatible plugins, then mail will disable them. And so there are a number of things like that where your particular version of, of a browser or some other app will disable things that it perceives to be incompatible. But the key here is don't assume anything. Don't assume the system's going to figure it out. Don't assume that any updates that you need will be flagged. It's up to you to figure this out before you get started. Right, right. And, you know, despite your best efforts, you might not be able to update all your software. There might be something you forget, or it could be that some app that, or you know, a system enhancement that you rely on uh, doesn't have a Mavericks compatible update. So I mean, you don't have to sweat it. I mean, it is of course possible to update things afterwards. I'm just trying to you know save you some time and effort. I'll give you one example that I know about. Of course, there's an app. There are several sound-related apps from Ambrosia Software, including Soundboard and Wiretap Studio, that probably won't be updated for a while because the company has, frankly, had a few problems and has laid off some of their developers. So if you need those apps, you need to look for alternatives. So, for right. example, we use Audio Hijack Pro, which is mostly compatible with Mavericks, so we don't have a problem. But this is an example of where you have to look at, look at your workflow and come to some really key decisions. So we have compatibility... We've checked into. We have the backups that you've done. And this is so important. You get your backup done, a clone backup being the best, because this way, if you have to get back to work, well, that's the best way to do it quickly. Mm -hmm. How long should you allow? Like an hour for the full update? Is that fair? 
Well, that's a really good question. So if you, you have kind of two paths you can go down. If you were doing what I call an in-place upgrade, that is, you know, let's say you're running uh, Mountain Lion and you download the Mavericks installer and you just, you know, you, you run it and let it do its thing on that same volume, then yeah, an hour should be plenty of time. I would say more like half hour, 45 minutes in most cases. We'll go, uh, okay, yeah. we're going to do the break now, then we'll pick up on the rest of it. We have Joe Kissel telling you about preparing for your Mavericks update. This is the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2Hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. 
Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle actually absorb, providing nutrients targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. One more segment with Joe Kissel, author of Take Control of Upgrading to Mavericks. And as you said, if you do what's called an in-place update, you're running Lion, you're running Mountain Lion, after doing all the prep work, you launch the installer, let it do its thing. Maybe it takes 30, maybe it takes 45 minutes, an hour tops, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're done. And you're ready to get on with your life. You spend a few minutes going through everything, but most of it you just pick up as you go along or finish reading the book. Okay, that's one way. Mm-hmm. But so, if you're using an older version of the OS, even Snow Leopard, wouldn't you want to be a little bit more careful about the update? Basically, if, if you're using Snow Leopard, you, you can still do that. Uh, if you're using Leopard, you, you can't. Leopard requires quite a bit more fiddling because officially Apple doesn't support upgrading directly from Leopard to, you know, to, to either even Lion, let alone Mountain Lion or Mavericks, because Leopard doesn't support the Mac App Store. And that's the only way to obtain it. Now, there, there are ways around this. Uh, if, if, you, if you go back as far as Tiger, well, you're going to have really serious problems. Even if you are running a newer operating system, there are cases in which you might want to uh, have a little bit of a clean start. So instead of, you know, you, you've been downloading a lot of stuff and you have a lot of, a lot of clutter on your disk and you might want to just say, you know, I, I need a kind, of, a kind of clean slate here. I want to make sure that I wipe out any potential disk errors and sort of optimize my, my disk in the process. So what you can do is you can start up from another volume. So you can do some little bit of magic to put your Mavericks installer on another volume, or you can put it on your bootable duplicate. That's really the easiest way. And you, you, you boot from that. And then you run disk utility and erase your main hard drive. Just erase it completely. Then you go ahead and run the installer and you, you put put Mavericks on that blank drive. And at the end of the process, uh, you get basically what, what is Migration Assistant. You get basically a, a series of screens that says, hey, would you like to transfer some data from another Mac or a backup? And you say, yes, as a matter of fact, I would. Please transfer it from the bootable duplicate that I just, <laughs> that I just used. And you can transfer over as, as little or much of your data as you want. This is, this is the key here. So we started by asking, how long is this process going to take? Uh, I had a, a MacBook Pro that's a few years old that had an almost full 500 gigabyte hard drive. And so I did this process on it. I said, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I'm running from my external drive. 
I erased the internal drive, and I want to copy over everything. It was it was like something like 450 gigabytes that it copied over. And even over FireWire, FireWire 800, I think that process took about 12 hours. It was a really, really, really long process. And there's just nothing you can do. You just, you just have to sit and watch it. So there are benefits to doing the clean install. But if you have a lot of data, it can take a super, super, super long time. And that's, that's why I say you got your bootable duplicate. Don't, don't do that first Try the in-place upgrade first because it's so much faster. And then if you have problems, well, you still have your backup, so you can always erase your drive and try again with the clean install. I'm a kind of person every couple of years or every year and a half. I just go for it. I clean the internal drive. I erase it, put on a new, fresh, clean operating system, and restore from the backup. Now, what I do in my case is I don't worry about how long it takes. I do it in the evening. So I just leave it on all night. doesn't matter if it's working all night. I'm not there. I'm asleep. Who cares? I wake up in the morning. I've got a brand new drive with a brand new OS. Well, that's fine for people who sleep. Uh, well, of course, you see, there are exceptions. I know when someone writes like 50 books a day. Yeah, somebody writes 50 books a day and has a three-year-old. <laughs> so. Well, the, the three-year-old, I understand. That's the biggest thing right there. The three-year-old. Okay. So now that you're finished... With the upgrade, is that it? Just get on with your business, or are there any more steps to follow before you can say, I'm done? There, there, are, there are quite a few steps. So I, I've always, in my upgrading books, I've always had this chapter that sort of perform post-installation tasks. So I have that chapter again, um, but it's really, really grown. There is a, a ton more stuff that you do after the installation, even though you might find that, you know, your Mac has restarted and there's your desktop and, yeah, am I even running Mavericks? Yeah, I am. So... In some cases, and this is especially true if you're upgrading from an older version of Mac OS X, like Snow Leopard, or if you weren't using iCloud before, or in certain other situations, like having certain types of, of older software installed, you may you may run Mavericks for the first time, and you, you see like a dozen overlapping dialogues asking you for your password, asking you to agree to certain things, asking you to turn certain features on. And if you aren't expecting those, they could be a little bit overwhelming. And so I, I explain in my book, you know, what a lot of these things are, why they're asking you to make these decisions and enter your password and what to do about them, um, that sort of thing. There are some new features that you'll want to configure. So iCloud Keychain is, is one of the examples. So if you want to use iCloud Keychain to sync uh, your Keychain between your Macs and with your iOS devices... Uh, there's a whole process you have to go through to enable that. It, it looks like you just check a box in system preferences, but checking the box is only the beginning, and then there's this whole other you know, involved procedure you have to go through. So those are just a, a few examples. There are a lot of other things that you might need to do in terms of setting up uh, preferences. Here, here's an example. Um, a lot of apps... And I, I'm mentioning this even though it's sort of, uh, you know, secret because it's been all over the blogs. It's, it's, it's out there. It's public. Uh, a lot of apps like uh, Keyboard Maestro and Text Expander uh, need access to parts of your UI to do their stuff. They, they need access to these uh, assistive uh, features, these accessibility features. Uh, in the past, there was a checkbox, Enable Access for Assistive Devices, 
in the accessibility pane of system preferences, you just check that box and then you're good. Well, that checkbox isn't there anymore. Um, and instead, what Apple has done is, is they've given you per application control over whether every individual app should be able to do this. And they put it, uh, they've hidden it deep inside the uh, security and privacy pane of system preferences. So if you use any of these apps, and there are quite a lot of them, some games do this, some productivity apps do this, that need that feature you will see all these alerts saying, oh, you got to turn this on, and they'll say, oh, okay, open system preferences for me, and then you might not be able to find the thing you're looking for. There, there are a bunch of little things like that where it's not really a problem. It's just, oh, I was not aware of this, and where do I find that new thing? Uh, and those are some of the things I'd talk about in that chapter, too. Is that a measure of security, maybe? Oh, yeah. It, it gives you much more granular control over security. So you're not just giving a blanket permission to all apps anywhere to control your Mac. You're saying, no, these particular ones. And if, if anything shows up on that list that seems suspicious to you, like like Skype shows up on that list. I'm like, what? Really? Skype needs to control my user? I don't know. No, I'm just going to leave that unchecked. I don't know what that's for, but I, I don't think I like that. Well, Skype hasn't asked me anything, and I'm always reluctant to give Microsoft control of anything. It's bad enough to give Google control of my life. Right. So, you know, it, it's okay to be a little, little conservative at first and then just see, see what happens. And if, if something goes wrong and all of a sudden, oh, this thing in Skype isn't working, then you can go back and check the box. The point being here is take everything gradually, step by step. Go through the applications that you normally use for your workflow and make sure everything is working properly. And then if something goes wrong still and you got the latest version, check with the app developer. Maybe they have a further Mavericks update. Because remember, the so-called Golden Master was released around October 3rd by Apple. Right. The official on-sale date for Mavericks is apparently the 22nd of October. Could be later, but that's what we're all expecting as we do this show. During that time, maybe Apple did some more changes to Mavericks, but developers can't always produce all the changes they need to make in two or three weeks. It may take them a few months. So possibly right. in the latter stage of Mavericks development, Apple added or changed things. Developers look at that and say, oh my gosh, golly gee whiz, we've got to make that change. There will be a further Mavericks update in the next month or two. But maybe there's a workaround. They say, well, it's going to do this, it's going to do that, but our basic functionality is there. There may be interface thingies that are wrong. Like there's a little utility called Levelator, which is used to equalize the volume levels of your audio projects. Right. It's a free utility, but normally it auto-quits when it's finished its work. Under Mavericks, it doesn't. It's a very minor thing, but you get the point. Tell right. our listeners where they can get a copy of Take Control of Upgrading to Mavericks and the rest of your huge, huge catalog. So go to takecontrolbooks.com. Uh, you can get Take Control of Upgrading to Mavericks. If you happen to go to that page before Mavericks is released, you can get the book for 10 bucks. But after Mavericks is released and the full 1.1 version is available, it's gonna, the price is going to go up to $15. So uh, get it for $10 and you get a free upgrade to uh, version 1.1. Listen, even at $15, it's a bargain. I think so. Joe Kissel, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux, and most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us. And to show you the kind of dedication I have to the job... Because of the time difference, we're recording this at 9 o'clock in the morning, Avram's time, which is 6 o'clock in the morning, my time. So if my brain is not working, that's the excuse. Of course, some people figure with me, my brain's never working. Okay, Avram, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live this week. Windows 8.1 is available to download. Is it worth the effort? If you have Windows 8, yes. If you have Windows 7 or XP uh, or Vista, why would you have Vista? Uh, I don't think you're necessarily going to be swayed. But if you have Windows 8, it's a free update and definitely a worthwhile one. Tell us about some of the improvements. Well, the number one improvement uh, in, in my mind is that you can actually have more than one window open in the modern slash metro UI. So you can do a split screen between two, three, or four, depending on your screen resolution, two, three, or four windows. So you can take some of those modern UI apps and you can actually see more than one at a time. In Windows 8, you could dock one app to the left side or right side and see like a miniature version of it. But this way you can do a complete split screen between a couple of apps. And so they're not 
in floating windows, but you do get the multitasking effect of having uh, multiple windows open on the screen, uh, which is something that was severely that was a serious problem on on the previous version. Just as a frame of reference, I'm running an Apple iMac, running a certain operating system that you'll be able to download in just a few days, and I have eight applications open right now. How would I do that under Windows 8.1? So under Windows 8.1, I mean, basically, you you know, you have to launch in desktop mode. Anything is possible in Windows 8 8.1. Like you can use it just like plain old Windows 7. But in modern UI, which is the UI they want you to use, uh, which is you know what you get when you boot up and you see the start start screen. The way to to view more than one app at a time is that you you launch one and then if it's like the browser, you can actually open a second browser by right clicking or long pressing on a link and doing open a new window. Uh, but otherwise, what you need to do is it's a little complicated because you have to kind of launch a second app and then you have to go to the task menu and sort of drag one of the apps o- over to make it a split screen. That's a mess. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure you get used to it. Well, perhaps. I don't know. I have Windows 8.1 running in the Parallels virtual machine on my iMac. I downloaded it yesterday. I will try it and let our listeners know. What other improvements can we look for? Well, um, there's, a, you know, there's a slew of new built-in apps, uh, including there's a, uh, there's a food app for people who are or foodies. This is probably still available to Windows 8 people, but as of yesterday, there's finally a Facebook app. Uh, the the built-in Windows apps got some significant improvements, like the mail, the people app uh, got a bit got a bit nicer looking. Uh, the mail app got a little nicer, uh, you know. Oh, but. The search is probably one of the key elements that, that people will find really appealing. Uh, in the prior version, the universal search would only search one aspect of your data at a time. So you'd, you know, you'd slide out the charms menu from the right, and then you'd have a little search box, and you could either search your apps, you could search your files, you could search the web, you could search your mail, but you could only search one of those at a time. So you'd select what it is that you wanted, and oh, man, I don't know where it is I, I want to look. Uh, by default, the new one searches everything, so including the Internet. Uh, so it, it's kind of a combined universal search of what's on your hard drive, what's in your apps, what's content that is within some of their apps, like the news app. Um, all at once. You can restrict it, but by default, it gives you everything. And one of the neat things about the the Bing search that's built in is it instead of taking you to a web page of search results, when you use the universal search, it will either give you just a really attractive page with lots of thumbnails of the results that you might get, or in many cases, it will give you what they call a hero page, which is it will give you sort of a Wikipedia-style uh, page with a big picture of the subject you were searching for and all kinds of links and different types of media. For example, with it, let's say you search for a rock group. Uh, one example I think we, we got to work was like Def Leppard. If you search for Def Leppard, uh, you will get, instead of getting search results, you'll get a giant 
picture of Def Leppard with a prominent um, link to their Wikipedia page and or possibly the Wikipedia app, if you have that installed, you'll get like links to play some of their top songs. And if you tap them, it will take you into Xbox Music, where I believe if you have the the uh, Xbox radio account, it'll actually play them for you for free um, and um, with commercials perhaps, but we'll play them for you for free, uh, give you concert dates. Like it gives you just a complete mixture of the types of information you'd want around certain things. It works for, uh, for rock groups. I think it works for, um, for famous places. Uh, it works for uh, historical figures I'm not sure how many others it it works for, uh, how many other types of data it works for now, uh, but it's pretty neat. It's sort of like Google's knowledge graph uh, that you get when you search for something that's, you know, when you search for something that's uh, kind of a really popular uh, term, like you you know want to search for who's the president, the the prime minister of Japan, it will pop up the guy's name and face and whatever. That's how it works in Google in um, in uh, Bing with uh, in Bing with Windows 8.1, you get these hero pages. It sounds to me like a lot of these new features are oriented towards consumers rather than businesses. Very, uh, very much so. So is that the smart move to make here? I mean, it would seem to me that businesses are going to be reluctant to upgrade to this a lot more than consumers, and they'd want to make some concessions. You know what? I think Microsoft is whole, understands that businesses go through an upgrade cycle every couple of years, and I think somewhere they they realize that those businesses are still going to be on Windows Seven for years to come, uh, and many years. <laughs> so now that might mean that they have to get really get it right for business with Windows Nine or something, because um, because businesses will tend to skip. Uh, skip upgrades. So, you know, they went to XP, they skipped Vista, although everybody skipped Vista. Uh, and now the Windows 7 updates on a lot of companies happened last year. So you can imagine that whatever they're going for, they're probably going to be going for it in, you know, another year or two. And this has been borne out by a lot of the laptop vendors that I've talked to who say, they have to continue offering Windows 7 as an option or else they wouldn't have any sales. So, you know, if you want, if you still want Windows 7 on your brand new laptop, uh, configure your laptop from uh, Dell Business or Lenovo or HP because they have no choice but to continue offering Windows 7 as an option on new business notebooks or they wouldn't have any clients. So... That's uh, that's a little tip. If if you really want Windows Seven on your new PC, uh, buy a business buy a business system. You'll be able to get it, no problem. Uh, but uh, one thing, you know, Microsoft would argue that they've added some some manageability things. They certainly can set policies behind all this stuff. Although you could always do that with with Windows Seven, like you can set policies about what your users can download from the Windows Store, what apps they can run, things like that. Let me do the break here, and then we'll go into more of that. Mm-hmm. We'll cover the policies that they can set for businesses with Windows 8.1, 8. 
and a lot more with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. 37 extension 130 and the winner of fallback pricing is you the results are in from freeze dry guys you be the boss tell us what you want us to put on sale campaign after getting phone calls emails blog and facebook comments nominating your favorite freeze-dried foods and dehydrated foods you the people you the bosses have spoken we the staff at freeze dry guy have listened as we've done since 1970 so now one item and one entire line of food are on special sale until the end of october the entire line of popular non-gmo and gluten-free foods are 20 percent off the family first responders kit loaded with delicious freeze-dried foods like hearty beef stew lasagna and mouth-watering strawberries is roughly 30 percent off Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com to order or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, and make your own deal. Thank you, boss. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead, 
has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joins us. We're talking, first of all, about the fact that the Windows 8.1 update is available for download. So if you go to Microsoft's App Store, it's available on your Windows 8 PC. Is that necessarily true if you're running in a business environment? No, not necessarily if you're running in a business environment because... Businesses don't want that. So let's say you were a business that had given your your users Windows 8 systems. You can stop them from deploying Windows 8.1 on, on their own. Obviously, that would be a really bad situation because businesses don't want people upgrading their operating system themselves. You know, if you're in a small business and, and there's no IT, then there's no stopping it. But uh, if they're doing any type of management of your system, uh, they can stop you from from doing that from doing that upgrade on your own, but I really hope that of the handful of businesses that have bought Windows 8 systems, they will upgrade their users to Windows 8.1 uh, because the split screen mode alone, uh, add in the search, you know, just those couple of things are useful for productivity. And of course, there's the uh, you know a lot of people will appreciate the boot to desktop mode as well. Although I tend to write that off because there were utilities that would do that in the past. But, you know, one of the features that a lot of people will like is that you can configure Windows 8.1 to boot straight to the desktop. And it has a start button, but the start button does not do what you would think because it doesn't launch a start menu. It just takes you right on back to the start screen. Oh, well. (laughs) So it's half a loaf or maybe a third of a loaf. Uh, you know, there's still lots of uh, third-party utilities out there. We have a whole list of start menu alternatives at LaptopMag.com uh, that, that work under Windows 8.1. Uh, and some are free and some some cost $5. I personally like uh, Start 8 from Stardock, which is $5. They, you know, they will take care of this for you and you'll have a start menu again. So, but it's a shame that you should have to do that. Uh, and it kind of defeats the purpose of the operating system. But that option, that option is there for you. Are there downsides in the Windows 8.1 update compared to Windows 8? Not, not a single one that I've noticed. I mean, if you liked Windows 8, there's no reason you wouldn't love Windows 8.1 because it doesn't fundamentally change the UI. It provides certain options, like the option to boot to the desktop, but that's an option. Uh, the option to put to have the wallpaper behind the start menu look behind the start screen look like your desktop, so it looks less like you're moving from one environment to the other because the wallpaper remains the same. Although that's kind of a visual trick, like wow, you had a picture of you know some mountains on your desktop, and now you hit the start 
button and you're on the start screen and all your icons and windows are gone, but gosh darn it, it looks like all the live tiles are floating on the same wallpaper. But you know what? It is it is comforting. to. It does almost feel like you haven't left the desktop when you, at least you have the same wallpaper there. So there there are thing there are things like that that are optional that people will like there's a split screen view that people will like there's the search thing that i think everyone will like there's there's really not a lot of things that you can look at and say uh this is there's there's nothing that it, that was taken away from windows 8 not not one thing but if you were someone who looked at windows 8 and said no i'm not going to do that is there anything in Windows 8.1 to change your mind, or is it still going to be the same situation? Well, I think some of these features might change your mind. I think you know that the multitasking situation has improved is a big deal, no doubt. That you can, if you are a frequent desktop user, without hassle, boot to that desktop is good. Uh, I mean, some of, some of the apps are getting more are getting more compelling. You also have to spend, if you're a person who wants to live in the modern UI, and one of my big beefs with Windows 8 was even if you want to live in the touch environment, you can't live there 100% because so many utilities were still on the desktop only. Now they moved some of the key control panel functions into the modern UI, which is another neat little feature. Still the most advanced control panel functions you know, you still have to go to the desktop control panel to get them, but certain things like the screen resolution and other types of things that before, you know, were really basic settings and you still had to go digging into the windowed environment. Now you can get them from, you know, swiping to get the charms menu and, and hitting the settings button. Uh, another thing, some people, I mean, if you're familiar with Windows 8, this you already know how it works, but... I think one thing that'll make life a little bit easier for first-time users is that they built a lot more tutorials into it instead of assuming that you just figure it out. When you first uh, launch Windows 8.1, this actually can be kind of annoying uh, if for people who know what they're doing. It starts point, you know, as you're working, it randomly like points an arrow toward a corner and says, "Hover your mouse over here so you can see the start button," and it won't go away until you actually hover your mouse over there to see the start button. Because it wants to show you, it wants to show you how to do it uh, so badly. I noticed that I spent a few minutes after downloading and installing Windows 8.1, where it was telling me that, and I wanted to tell Windows 8.1, just shut up. <laughs> That's a tutorial that I'm going to try and figure out if there's a setting to turn that off. Because it is, I mean, it it isn't too obtrusive because it doesn't seem to pop up when you'd expect, like right away. It sort of takes its time. Uh, but yeah, you know, like who who needs those things? Especially if you've used Windows 8, you don't need training wheels. Just you know, just let me uh, just just let me get to it. But uh, I think that they are correct in assuming that a lot of people have not used Windows 8 and that they have issues. So um, so I think you know, for people who first install it, it's not it's not a terrible thing to to give them that kind of that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there are features that are under the hood that are kind of a little bit more hidden that, that people will appreciate. For example, um, they built Miracast Display into the OS if your hardware supports it, and that's kind of an if. If you go to the share menu, you'll be able to wirelessly project, wirelessly project to another screen. Now, of course, 
that requires that you have a Miracast receiver, of which there's maybe one or two on the market, uh, and that your hard and that your computers support Miracast output. Although there's a pretty decent chance that if you if you have bought an Intel-based laptop or tablet from the last three years, it probably does support Miracast. Um, but you know that's something that's built in that hasn't been built into Windows before. So you know there are little, there are little features uh, throughout that make it that make it a more appealing experience. Again, it's the decision you have to make. Is this going to be the thing that makes Windows 8.1 break out? Well, with the PC sales overall flat or declining, maybe not. So we see it one or two on the market, uh, and that your hard and that your computers support Miracast output. Although there's a pretty decent chance that if you if you have bought an Intel-based laptop or tablet from the last three years, it probably does support Miracast. Um, but, you know, that's something that's built in that hasn't been built into Windows before. So, you know, there are, li- there are little features uh, throughout that make it that make it a more appealing. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio. DreamHost.com slash radio. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. 
Seedsafe.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the survival seed vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <coughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain. Normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. How do you like to be in the browser? How's life in a browser, Abram? Well, I wish I could be maximized. Is that what your wife tells you? <laughs> All the time. Oh, anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. It doesn't make any sense. Chris Abram is the online editorial director with Laptop Magazine. And we started out our first couple of segments with him to talk about Windows 8.1, now available as a free update for those who are using Windows 8. All three people can now get a copy. Let's see, it's Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer, and that guy Elop from Nokia that they acquired. We haven't talked since Microsoft made that decision to acquire Nokia's handset division. Is that a move of desperation, or do you think it's a smart one? Um, well, gee, both, right? It's smart because if they didn't do it, and Nokia went under, or Nokia made the probably intelligent business decision to pursue another platform, like start doing Android, that would be the end of Windows Phone. Uh, and Microsoft feels like it needs Windows Phone to be kind of part of this ecosystem where you have one platform to rule them all that sort of runs from you know, Windows 8.1 on desktops to Windows 8.1 on tablets to, to Windows Phone. And supposedly, although this isn't really true, it's easy to develop apps across the platforms. Actually, not really so. They don't they don't support all the same things. But you know, they're they they're trying to build a unified experience. Certainly, what is unified is that if you have a Microsoft account, it you get some benefits from that. So you know, it's definitely a, a challenge for them. And if Nokia made the probably wise decision to say we're going to diversify and maybe try doing some 
maybe try coming out with something with another operating system like Android or experiment with one of these new OSs that's coming out like Firefox OS or whatever, you know, all of a sudden that, that might not be good for Windows Phone. So Nokia was their most enthu- their most and probably only enthusiastic partner on Windows Phone. Let, let's be honest, I don't even know why HTC and Samsung were still coming out with Windows Phones because they weren't doing it with very much gusto. Uh, their Windows phones were kind of crappy. They they didn't put a lot of energy into it. Nobody really cared. So, uh, you know, Nokia was the only partner that really that really mattered. So they had to buy them to keep them from going to keep them from going elsewhere, or or, or who knows, maybe even going under. So uh, it is a move that they needed to make. Un- unfortunately, though, if there ever was a hope of Windows Phone uh, spreading out to other car- other manufacturers this is the death knell for that because why why would you want to make windows phone phones when when you're also competing against microsoft of course google faces the same issues with motorola uh, and google's solution to that has been to make sh- has been to maybe make sure that motorola just doesn't produce a phone that's good that's that that's that good that's not exactly a winning business strategy okay now if i'm google and i'm looking at this the issue with, of course, Android has always been the fragmentation problem, that a very large number of the Android gear sold is cheap, and it uses older versions of the OS. And now, of course, Google's working on version 4.4 KitKat. Do they find a way to change their tune to get more older hardware running it, make it easier for developers to be consistent in their apps? We've been hoping for that for years. I think Android is in a... Is in a unfortunate place right now where Google is not showing the level of enthusiasm for its own operating system that other companies are. It's, it's after um, Andy Rubin, who had been, um, you know, head of kind of a founding uh, father for Android left and they appointed um, the guy who was in charge of Chrome OS to be in charge of Android and that just kind of showed what what they're thinking is, which is that despite the fact that Android is the most popular mobile operating system in the world, it's growing. It has many, 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 many hardware vendors using it. Uh, it gets many, many activations. It's like a child that they don't want any anymore at, at Google. So they're probably coming out with the Nexus 5 soon. They have come out with the Nexus 7, so they haven't totally given up. They are updating the OS. But if you look at the pace of innovation uh, with Android, it's so slow. And the amount of Android, you know, the amount of attention that Google gives to Android in its, pub- in its publicity and its public materials, it's like an afterthought, which I think is terrible. I mean, it's crazy, but they would much rather that people use Chrome OS because Chrome OS uh, is, you know, unadulterated Google. You, you know, there are no partners who can mess with it. Uh, so Android's popul- Android's flexibility is why it's popular, the ability to skin it, the ability to do things with it. But then by the same token, and by the same token, the fact that people can modify it so easily is what is what Google hates about it. So if you look at the operating system in the last few updates, 
the major the UI has not significantly changed since 2011 with ice cream sandwich. Even Apple, which is notoriously slow to change, has made some radical changes. Some would not like them. Some would like them in iOS 7. The, the amount of changes that have happened in the last two years to Android is minimal. You know, they've added some better notifications. They've thrown in some things behind the scenes, like, you know, wireless display support. But a lot of the stuff that they've done, there's, they haven't really done a lot to the, to the core operating system in two years. I mean, I guess Android 4.1 Jelly Bean, which came out in like June of June of uh, 2012, uh, marked some big improvements with the whole Google Now and the notifications. But since then, they haven't done much. I mean, it used to be that Android was radically improved every six months. The, the last few updates to Android 4.1 and 4.3 have been meaningless. So if you look at it and then, you know, you go to a conference like Google I.O., which is their developer conference that I went to, and they barely mention Android during any of the key, during the keynotes, and they have like half as many Android development sessions as they have Chrome sessions, you realize that, wow, Google... Google hates its child. I, I don't understand. This is an extremely successful operating system. So, Yes, uh, but successful in only one way, which is the number of people using it. It's not a giant cash cow for Google. It's the Frankenstein monster. You, you know, that's very true. I mean, and I, I understand from Google's perspective, if you look at something like um, the Kindle Fire HDX, there's like no Google stuff on it, and it's piggybacking off of their... The core, their core operating system. I mean, they're really, they're really not making out. They don't even have, get their Chrome browser on Amazon's Kindle Fire, so that's terrible for them. And then you look at something like the Samsung Galaxy Note three I have in front of me, which, by the way, is the best phone in my opinion ever made. Um, and you know, it has all the Google services on it, but they're like buried in a folder uh, while. You know, while Samsung services are a little more prominent. So, you know, yes, Google doesn't have as much control of the experience. Some, uh, some vendors are kind of uh, doing, it, doing it dirty by not putting um, Google services front and center on the devices. But still, a lot of, a lot of their services are there and people are using them. Uh, so, you know, if they want to discourage the Amazons of the world, they should they should do something about that. But they shouldn't give up on the oper- on an operating system that's extremely popular and popular because it is flexible. Maybe what Google should be doing is looking at the ways in which its partners are innovating and try to learn from that instead of just sitting on its hands. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us. More to come about the issues confronting the Android platform on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. 
You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, Avram Pilch is here for one more segment. We're talking for a few more moments about the problems with the Google Android platform, and maybe we'll get some fearless predictions about the new generation of iPads from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. Avram, okay, so you were suggesting here that maybe, maybe Google needs to get more feedback from its manufacturers who are building that gear and maybe learn some things from them. Well, they could learn a lot from the modifications to Android that Samsung, LG, and HTC are making. I mean, some of the things that they've done to say, uh, there are a lot of people who are snobs and they don't like, say, Samsung's touch with skin. But you know what? It offers a lot of key features that really should be built straight into Android. For example, the ability to do split-screen multi-window mode. That's something that's really sorely missing from Android, particularly now that you're seeing Android move into laptops and all-in-one desktops. This is a trend now. We are seeing full-fledged, you know, small laptops come with Android on them. We actually, the other day, reviewed a giant 21-inch all-in-one that was running, made to be your family PC that was running Android. That must Uh, be making Microsoft freak out. Right, The irony of this is that Google has an opportunity to really stick it to Microsoft because companies like Android so much that they're actually trying it in places that it was never meant to go, like a laptop or a desktop. While this is going on, Google, which is supposed to be in charge of Android, isn't seizing the opportunity. They would rather kind of sit on their hands and try and convince people to buy $270 Chromebooks Uh, that, by the way, don't work very well, like the HP Chromebook 11 that I reviewed the other day, then then capitalize on a really unique and historic opportunity to actually gain share in the PC space. Like, they really could, with Android, if they made it more mouse and keyboard friendly, if they made it more multitasking friendly with Windows, things that its partners are already doing, then the core operating system would be a lot more compelling and they would have a really great opportunity to seize even more uh, mind share. But they're more interested in the fact that a success doesn't seem to matter to Google. Like they'd rather push Chrome OS on people uh, than try and and capitalize on on the huge success of Android. Yes, it's got, it's become a little bit of a Frankenstein monster that goes out of their control, but that's why it's popular. Windows became popular, more popular than Mac OS because of its flexibility, because you could do so much to modify it and install utilities on it and do all kinds of neat things with it that Microsoft never envisioned. That's why Windows was popular. It wasn't popular because of sandboxed apps. And people are taking the wrong lesson from the success of the iPhone that and the Apple App Store. Google is taking the wrong lesson. Microsoft is certainly taking the wrong lesson. This is a kind of a unique situation. In general, open works. Closed does not work. It only works for Apple. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Apple, okay. Now, many of our listeners will be 
aware of what Apple's announcements are. So anything you say now will be proven possibly untrue by the time listeners hear it. But let's have some fun with that anyway. So on the 22nd of October, Apple holds a media event in San Francisco, ostensibly to introduce the new iPads. Any surprises to be expected from the iPad and the iPad mini? I can't really imagine. Honestly, I think it's going to be a pretty boring event unless they roll out something that is not the iPad and the iPad mini. There's some, you know, talk going around and maybe seeing some new MacBooks come out, but even those would not be a real surprise. Unless they roll out like an iWatch or a new Apple TV or something that's a new type of product, we're not going to see anything too radical because they already updated the iOS operating system. So people know what to expect from the software. So what are we likely to see? We're likely to see a new iPad mini that has a retina display, which anyone could have predicted because the last generation didn't have it and everybody expects a retina display. We're likely to see the new 64-bit processor you know, in the in the 9.7-inch iPad. And, and we might see a fingerprint reader like the iPhone 5S had. None of this is, is particularly radical change. It's all very predictable and expected. Maybe we'll see a bump in the cameras on these things, you know, but I don't foresee anything that's really that surprising. I think these things are going to be, you know, just iteratively better, than the prior generation, not radically better. And I think after uh, this event, people are going to be having the conversation that we've been having for, uh, you know, ever since Tim Cook took over Apple, and maybe one that's a little unfair, but they say, oh, the magic is gone because they didn't invent some new whiz-bang feature. But Uh, Apple doesn't do that very often, like every three, four years at the minimum. Right. So I think these are going to be iteratively better. People are going to buy them because because they're Apple, and because they want the latest generation and they're a little bit better. But, you know, I don't think they're going to go down in history as like a really radical change, like when they introduced the first Retina display or, you know, it was the first iPad or the first Mini. These things are just going to be iteratively a little bit a little bit better and catch the iPad series up to some of the changes that they've made on the iPhone 5S. It's preparing everything for the holiday season. Of course, we'll possibly see the new Mac Pro either launch then or introduce for a later shipment. That might be something if you're the kind of person who spends a lot of money on a personal computing workstation. But certainly anything that would come with the MacBook Pro, for example, it would be an iterative upgrade to use the new Haswell chips, more battery life, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, And not that those things are bad. I mean, look... The last time they upgraded the Air, the battery life dramatically improved. We got something like 11 hours on on our battery tests on the MacBook Air. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, listen, not every improvement has to reinvent the wheel, particularly when the wheel is spinning very nicely. And that's a pretty good wheel. And OS X Mavericks looks to be a really good upgrade, even though it doesn't look a whole lot different from Mountain Lion. Apple's done things to make it perform better. What I'm hearing by the grapevine, because there is a Golden Master out there and the final version probably will come out on the 22nd, what we're hearing here is that battery life might be a tad better 
it doesn't use as many system resources, so it has more effective use of memory. Yeah, I mean, those are the types of things that Microsoft should have done with Windows instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. I think Apple is really, one thing you, you have to give them some credit for is that they know what works for mobile versus what works for desktop versus what works for laptop. And they know not to not to mess with with a formula that's working, and I think that's what you're going to see at their event. They're not going to mess with a formula that's working. And why should they? Yeah, why should you? Microsoft tried to mess with their formula, and that's causing a heap of trouble. And a very quick question before we let you go: Does Microsoft try to come up with Windows Nine where they throw away a lot of that stuff and try to go back to where they They're, were? They're really committed. They're really committed. Unless the new CEO comes in and tries to do it back to basics, I think I, I I don't think that they're. I mean, they had their chance to go back with Windows 8.1. They kind of thumb their nose at the people who like the desktop in in a in a big way by making the start button actually take you back to the start screen. That's kind of a diss. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to go back, but they may under the kind of the premise of of helping enterprise give more configurable choices where maybe you can configure it to to operate on the desktop mode more or something. Avram Pilch, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, you can check out uh, all of our news, including our Windows 8.1 tips and, and reviews and stuff at LaptopMag.com. Uh, read my weekly comments at LaptopMag.com slash GeekSgeek and follow me on Twitter at GeekInChief. And you can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. Once again, we are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also go to TechNightOwl.com and check our web portal for all the stuff that we do. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we'll be featuring Jerome Clark, a longtime historian about strange things that are happening around the world. At Paracast.com, that's Paracast.com. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.